0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas.
1: From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style.
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We've all heard the alarming statistic that Louisiana loses a football field of coastline every 30 minutes. And we know a lot of money and resources are being put towards the problem. But is it too late to really change the trajectory we're on? And what does that mean for where Louisiana citizens will live in the years to come? Joining me to discuss this today is Dr. Craig McLean, Executive Director of the Louisiana University's Marine Consortium, or LUMCON, a research institute based on the coast that promotes, facilitates, and conducts research in marine and coastal sciences relevant to the sustainability of coastal and marine environments in the Gulf of Mexico. That includes areas dealing not only with coastal loss and restoration, but the impact humans have on coastal and marine systems, and that important intersection between the physical, chemical, and biological environments. Craig has been at the helm of LUMCON since 2016 and is a nationally recognized marine, ecological, and evolutionary biologist with dozens of articles to his name and a top-rated ocean-themed blog and social network called Deep Ocean News, which has been featured in local and national media outlets. Craig, it is a pleasure to have you with us today. Thanks so much for joining us on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today.
2: Joining me and Craig is Camille Manning Broom, President and CEO of the Center for Planning Excellence, a nonprofit organization that was founded in Baton Rouge in 2006 to coordinate urban rural and regional planning efforts in Louisiana and to promote a smart growth approach to development, which means advocating for things like walkable communities, bike lanes, mass transit, and access to fresh food. Under Camille's leadership, CPEX has also shifted its focus towards issues related to climate change and what that means for Louisiana's vulnerable sinking coastline and highly vulnerable population. Camille has been at CPEX for more than a decade. She became president and CEO in 2018 and has strengthened the organization's focus on the intersection of climate change, equity, and health. Camille, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch. Great.
3: Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's an honor to be here.
2: Well, Craig, I'm gonna start with you. So LUMCON is focused on coastal research in part, but also a whole lot more, marine sciences in general. Y'all sort of cover the gamut, focused on the Gulf of Mexico?
1: That's right, we, we sort of do everything from the marsh all the way out to the Gulf of Mexico. And so our scientists, our in-house scientists here at the uh, marine facility in Cocodry um, at the end of the highway um, focus on everything from sediment loss and, and coastal loss and land loss um, to fisheries and aquaculture, to uh, chemical and nutrient cycling through the oceans and marshes and the f- important roles they play in those, um, to fish schooling and behavior. Um, it sort of runs the gamut here. And then of course we provide a lot of assets and support to all of the coastal and marine scientists in the state and any, any of those nationally and internationally that wanna come and do work in Louisiana.
2: Wow, and is it all of the universities as the name implies?
1: Yes, we serve as the marine lab for all of this, all of the uh, public and private universities and colleges in the state, as well as the uh, Louisiana community and technical college system as well. So we have a, a very large role to play in terms of providing their coastal marine lab and the the boats and, um, experiments that uh, experimental facilities that they need to conduct their work
2: basic research and applied research both
1: basic and applied both
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i mean you you get national science grants right
1: a lot of our budget comes from the national science foundation office of naval research noaa uh epa uh it sort of runs the gamut a lot of large foundations as well
2: I, I i love that lumcon and cpex we've got like two really great organizations with great acronyms and i feel like y'all both have good stories to tell and a lot of people really don't know or understand enough about what y'all do camille um i think a lot of people even in baton rouge don't really know what cpex does exactly tell us a little bit about that yeah
3: well you know it's we've we're a planning organization with a heavy focus on policy but you know the way we shape our cities uh, shapes our lives it shapes our interactions with one another and with our environment and our we're you know a mission-driven organization that's focused on enhancing the quality of life for all Louisiana residents uh, through smarter and uh, more efficient and and healthier community design. Uh, everything in our communities is designed, uh, whether or not we intentionally designed it to be a certain way, uh, or it. Is accumulation of a lot of uh, poor decisions <laughs> uh, that lead to uh, you know negative outcomes of of not being able to um, get places um, through multiple multiple options for transit, not having options around housing, not having options around. Uh, a diversified workforce. And so uh, we've worked ac- across Louisiana with uh, communities on, you know, from Gina, Louisiana, to uh, rural parishes like Vernon Parish, to coastal uh, municipalities like Jean Lafitte, uh, doing a range of planning, either bike pad planning, corridor planning, neighborhood scale, uh, or parish-wide plans. Uh, We also do a lot of coordination around advocacy with regional groups and regional NGOs. Uh, And we have a a large focus at the state level of um, uh, coordination and collaboration among state agencies uh, to integrate um, resilience and climate change adaptation and climate change um, mitigation into decision making processes. Uh, So, you know, it's. We work at different scales and across
2: uh, across the state uh, with different governments and communities. And so your funding would come in part from grants maybe, but also in part from actual contracting with a municipality or a parish or even the state to help them with projects where y'all can be a resource. Yeah, that's right. We, uh, you know, in the
3: nonprofit world, you have got to have a strong um, um you know, diverse portfolio and your budget um, if you are to achieve great things. And so uh, we get federal, we go after federal resources, uh, local, local contracts. Um, we have a lot of national foundation grants and then community foundation grants. Uh, and then we have a membership base uh, that covers, a, you know, a lot of donors in, in the community that really you know, care about our mission and, and uh, support us.
2: Okay. Craig, um, you know, I'm interested a little bit in the history of LUMCON because you all predate the CPRA, y'all predate the, predate the Water Institute of the Gulf, y'all predate Tulane Universities, River Studies, whatever, whatever, whatever. I mean, there are a lot of people working in this coastal space now. Um, As, of course, the need to address the issues of our, you know, eroding coastline have have become greater. But how do you all distinguish yourself? And I mean, there are a lot of players all kind of working on the same thing.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a really good thing for the state. Uh, LUMCON was formed by state legislation in the late 70s. And then the actual facility here uh, was finished in the early 80s. Um, And so... We have a very unique role in the state, and we're sort of this idea that we're the field lab, you know, in in a state where, you know, globally, we're losing uh, land and with sea level rise and coastal loss, you know, uh, in Louisiana, those rates are higher than a lot of places in the world. And, and of course, they are some of the highest land loss rates are here where LUMCON's at. So we're sort of at ground zero for this. And that provides an exceptional opportunity for scientists um, and researchers to actually study this, you know, in the field. And so that is kind of our unique role in this, is to provide the access that that we need and get that sort of frontline view um, and monitoring of the situation. And then of course, building up the assets and infrastructure that we need across the state to continue to Capitalize um, on these, you know, on opportunities for research and conservation and mitigation.
2: You all have an interesting, um, several interesting projects underway, I mean, aside from the actual research, but tell us a little bit about a marine sciences research park that LUMCON is developing with the community college system.
1: That's right. We've been partnering with, uh, the LCTCS system and specifically with Fletcher, um, and now it also in, uh, includes, uh, University of Louisiana, Lafayette and Nichols, um, as well. Uh, we are building up a new maritime sort of education and research park in Houma at the port. And, um, this is, this sort of reflects, um, you know, there's, People are very familiar of computational research parks or uh, biotech research parks. And you know, Louisiana is well poised with our expertise in coastal and marine sciences, as well as our expertise in coastal and marine engineering um, to really develop up something unique and different. And this would be the first of its kind. Um, and so there's currently already a building out there. So the LCTCS system has a sort of training facility out there. They're gonna build up a new sort of maritime uh, career uh, training facility out there as well LUMCON will have a new it'll be the first expansion of LUMCON's campus um, in its history and so we'll have a new uh, center there called Blue Works which uh, is a variety of education and research programs that work at the intersection of coastal marine sciences and technology and engineering and so there'll be maker spaces in that building 3D print labs uh, fabrication spaces. as well We're, we're, entire, uh, we're planning on bringing in some new expertise into LUMCON and into the state in these areas um, and really looking at sort of technological uh, solutions to coastal and marine um, issues.
2: Fantastic. Camille, when we, I mean, as we deal with climate change and obviously coming off of one of the most just, you know, violent hurricane seasons we've ever had in history or most destructive, I would say on the, you know, on the Atlantic side, what are you all doing to help vulnerable communities plan for the future and even relocating some of the coastal communities, maybe even down the Lumcon Conway? Um, you know, so we cannot plan for a future that provides safety, wellness, and opportunity
3: for all our residents without understanding climate change and its impacts. Uh, we can't plan for communities that meet. Need- that meet the needs of our people without understanding how those needs are shifting as climate change, you know, alters both our economy and our environment. And that's, you know, especially within low wealth communities and among people of color. And a big piece is we can't continue with siloed approaches to governance that don't uh, effectively foster collaboration and coordination. Uh, I, another key piece is uh, we can't rely on one-time um, disaster dollars uh, or sources to, you know, finance the investment required to make Louisiana sustainable. So we've created a strong partnership with the Governor's Office of Coastal Activities and are working across all of the agencies to integrate resilience decision-making metrics into um, decisions uh, at all agencies. You know, it's. When you've got the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, which is the implementer and the funder of the implementation or gets obtains the funds to implement the master plan, but other agencies such as Department of Health and um, Department of Social Services are also getting impacted by Climate change uh, and 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 don't necessarily have the internal tools uh, to make those decisions. So we uh, we're working across the board with all of those entities uh, agencies to to do that work. And then another big piece is in all of the plans that we do, climate change is a component, and we're we're developing adaptation plans. Uh, we were also part of the. Uh, la safe the state initiative la safe and the lead author of those parish plans but you know that was that was transformative we we had to go into communities and really show the real numbers and risk you know we're we're looking at you know two feet of sea level rise by mid-century um, you know that, that that's just 30 years from now um, And what that means for our population and, and I, you know, it's, it's really, it's really sad because people are at the center of this, but in our most coastal communities, we don't have to abandon ship, but we are going to have to adapt and there is going to be a different kind of lifestyle there. But if we plan for it, if we think about the opportunities inherent in it, uh, and, and then invest in the receiving communities communities where populations are moving and making them uh, better meet our needs and and better and and, you know higher quality of life Uh, we can do this
2: it's not impossible so i mean if you all say are contracted with by a parish you know to do a plan for them obviously they want to move forward with planning right um, but in, on, in terms of on the advocacy side, I mean, you can spew good policy all day long, but how do you get governments to listen? Especially when, you know, maybe there's climate deniers, right? Yeah, I.
3: Um, we've had great reception in the local communities, the municipalities, and the parishes, and, and I'll say we don't work with a place unless we're invited there. Um, and, when, and when we do get invited, we're getting invited for a reason. Um, there's a need and, and our services, um, you know, are, are fill that need. And, and so I think, um, you know, it is even though climate change is not the mainstream vernacular used amongst the entire population, um, coastal Louisiana residents, they've seen it. They've witnessed it, they've experienced it, they are on the um, negative end of its impacts. And so it's a much easier conversation. Uh, the harder conversation is around relocation because there's no 1 800 number to call. There's no federal program that provides a clear path for a community or even for residents um, in terms of either, you know, from the spectrum of buyout to. Uh, wholesale community relocation, and so there's a lot of work that's going to have to be done at the federal government level uh, to get prepared for the massive shifts in human migration yeah. that we are going to experience.
2: And that's really, I think, the key because that's that's coming, you know. Oh yeah, uh, it's
3: here. We, I mean, we've it, we've already got the numbers. It's we're already seeing it. Wow.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Camille Manning-Broom of CPEX and Craig McLean of LUMCON. Well, Craig, I I mean, on the the happier side, um, you you personally, I mean, no, I mean, it's true, but you personally do a lot of interesting research, not directly in that field, right? I mean, you you recently um, discovered a new species of worms. Down in the ocean?
1: That's right, yeah. So I, most of my work is on biodiversity and actually climate change as well. So um, yeah, we, earlier this year, we are actually, excuse me, last year we discovered a new species of bone eating worm in the deep ocean. Um, it's kind of one of the more amusing aspects of the work that I get to do.
2: And fascinating though, what are the implications of that? I mean, can this is this just like some a species that had never been discovered before?
1: Yeah, the, the deep Gulf of Mexico is and its diversity is relatively unexplored. And so you know every time we do work in the deep oceans, you know several miles down, we're discovering new species. And in fact, when we go and sample, maybe fifty percent of the species that we find are completely new to science.
2: How deep or far out do you go when you talk about Um, deep Gulf?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we'll be a couple of hundred miles offshore in two to three miles of deep of water. Um, And we use robots or submarines to sort of access those depths.
2: So give us an idea of what the facility down there is like. I mean, if we came to visit maybe Um, the pre-COVID times and could (laughs) take a field trip, what would we see?
1: So it, so you would drive to the end of Highway 56. Um, It is, and you're, we are outside of the levee system. And so you drive through, you know, the gate on the levee system that runs across the highway. And, you know, we are, we're pretty isolated and remote. The only other thing out here is sort of fish camps. And, and then out, you know, out, you know, on a landscape of you know Louisiana's beautiful wetlands, you would sort of see the structure rising out of the distance. And you know, our uh, you know our facility is about a seventy thousand square foot facility here, um, and it has a very large you know tower uh, in the central the central part of the building that actually gives you a three hundred sixty degree view of the landscape, and that uh, yeah, that's at like um, that's about eight stories high.
2: You have scientists who live there and do their research there sort of year-round?
1: None of us live here, although we do have apartments and dormitories here for uh, visitors. Most of us live in Homa or, well, down by you in the Coquitry, Dulac, Doularge areas. Um, some as far as away as New Orleans, and then they commute in. Um, so, uh, yeah, we have this impressive facility here. It's raised 18 feet off of the ground, so it's elevated, um, which is good because we we flood about 40 to 50 days a year now. Um, and we're really living sort of uh, coastal flooding. Of course, this year, uh, we, you know, we sh- had to shut down because of the water water height. You know, uh, for each of the six hurricanes this year that that impacted, you know, our the Gulf Coast. And so, and of course, the last one, uh, Zeta, the last one for us, Zeta, uh, you know, caused a little bit of damage to the facility, some broken windows, um, some. Uh, some of our docks and things like that were uh, are in a bit of a disarray now.
2: Mm. So we have a lot of, of really, you know, brilliant people studying this and working on it. But I mean, do we have a handle on our on our coastal crisis and and really what what needs to be done? You know, from both of y'all's perspectives. I mean, are we moving the needle enough to stave off what we're facing?
1: There's a lot to be optimistic and hopeful for in Louisiana. And I think we often lose sight of that narrative here. We, we have, you know, you mentioned, you know, Tulane's Bywater Institute, the Water Institute of the Gulf. Um, we, there's a variety of state agencies. You have, you know, the USGS and, and NOAA presences here. You have organizations like Camille. There is a lot of people here. There's never been a greater concentration of people working on coastal issues and coastal resiliency as we have right here in Louisiana and then back behind that you have a lot of political support no matter what the party affiliation is or what level of government you know no one's arguing about coastal loss in Louisiana what we're arguing or not even arguing what we're having debates about is how to how to how to mitigate that how to deal with that how to adapt to that right and then there's actually quite a bit of you know, economic support behind this, both at federal level, at the state level, you know, some of that is obviously reflects some of the settlements after the oil spill, but there's a lot of push for that. Then we of course, we have a very proactive, you know, coastal master plan that, you know, is one of the most progressive coastal management plans any, anywhere in the world. And, you know, all of this is coming out. And then of course there's the culture of Louisiana being very resilient and very adaptable and community focused and all that sort of all of this is, I think, is provides a lot of really exciting opportunity. You know, we have, we, we are facing it right now. It's we don't talk about, and I think, and Camille sort of met, implied this, which is, you know, we're not talking about climate change and coastal loss is something that happens in the future. It's something that's already happened here um, and is continuing to happen. And so we have the opportunity to sort of set the pace and set the standard for how other people and other communities, you know, across the globe are gonna deal with these issues.
3: What do you think, Camille? I, I, I agree with with your comments Craig. I, I do believe there is a we're at a tipping point and there is a sense of a need for urgency um, because we're entering into a place where our social economic uh, divide is increasing. Our risks are increasing and so are the risks across the nation um, where you know, Louisiana, is not going to con- be able to continue to receive all these disaster dollars um, to pay for uh, the sustainability of our future. I I also, f- I feel like we need to talk about a larger planning horizon. You know, instead, whenever you look 75 years out, there are places that aren't on the map, big places. We had Dr. Michael Oppenheimer, who's one of the foremost experts on sea level rise and um, 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 the lead author of the Oceans in Crysphere report that was released in January. And, you know, he calculated how many days a year uh, Grand Isle and certain places under in Louisiana are gonna be underwater. And some of them it's uh, 250 days a year this century. Um, and so I, I think that uh, we've got limited resources. We have a lot of threats and challenges. Uh, but I do love the spirit and uh, the innovations that are coming from uh, this place of having to be resilient, having to act now, not having time to sit around and wait. Um, but I, 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 do, I, I, I do have some concerns and worries about my children's uh,
2: ability to thrive in, a, in the future here and my grandchildren. I know. I know many of us share that. Well, Camille Manning-Broom and Craig McLean, you both are on the forefront in our state, helping to build our knowledge base around some of these very important issues and issues we'll be facing in the year to come. So it's glad to know y'all are on the job. Thank you so much for being with me today and for taking the time to share your thoughts and observations on Out to Lunch.
1: Thank you so much, Camille and Stephanie. It's been a pleasure.
3: Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you, Craig.
2: My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Craig McLean of LUMCON and Camille Manning-Broom of the Center for Planning Excellence. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our show and unedited conversations and find out more about LUMCON and CPEX by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website. It's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Jill LaFleur, and you can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. We're going to go back to Out to Lunch around the lunch table at Mansour's on the Boulevard one day. In the meantime, you can go there. Mansour's is open seven days a week for lunch and dinner. Out to Lunge is a production of INO Broadcasting for its batonrears.la and WRKF 89.3FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Rashudi, And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch.
0: Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansour's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Joneswalker.com. And by...